morning, church. God is good. All the time. Amen. It's good to see uh, you guys back, uh, those of you that were on vacation. Uh, but, you know, as I, I said last week, everybody needs vacation. Everybody needs to go on vacation to get away for a little while. You know, and I'm, I thank God that uh, I always serve churches that kind of uh, respected that. They knew that we needed to get away uh, sometimes. Um, I, remember, <laughs> I remember one year, I think we were at um, Smith Mountain Lake. Uh, we were serving a church in Logan. And Rose Bradford, uh, one of the dear members of that congregation, she passed away while we were gone. And uh, I called and was talking to her son on, on the phone. And he said, look, he said, I know you're on vacation. He said, you, you stay right there and we'll just keep her on ice until you get back. He said, and they did. <laughs> it was his words, not mine. Uh, so we, we come home and we, we had her uh, uh, celebration of life uh, after we got back from vacation. But I'd, I would just bless to serve churches all the time that understood that, you know, there's sometimes you just got to get away for a little while. Uh, clear your mind. Uh, Mark chapter 4. Starting at verse 35. You want to read along with us. Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35. <clears throat> that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. He took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the winds died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you, still not, do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Um, I was talking to Nancy last night. I couldn't remember if this happened before we were married or right. I think it was right after we were married. Uh, we were at Summersville Lake. Uh, and there was a, 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 some of our best friends were up there, and they, they were camping. We weren't. We were just up there for the day. And, and we rented one of these small boats. And you, you've probably seen the motors in the back. You steer it from that little outboard motor. Uh, and that, so we had rented one of those for the day. Uh, so at the end of the day, we were at the campground with them. Like I say, they were spending the week. Uh, so we had to take the boat all the way back to the, to the marina, which was a, quite a haul back to the other side of uh, Somerville Lake. And I'm telling you, there was a thunderstorm that just come up from out of nowhere. Uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with Somerville Lake or not, but when, when a storm comes up there, it, it can be kind of rough. And, and here we are in this aluminum boat, all right, with lightning coming everywhere in every direction. And that's not the worst part. The worst part was every boat on that lake was headed for the marina at the same time. And here we are in this little teeny, yeah, exactly. I just knew we were going to turn over. I knew we were. And I was hugging just as close to the bank as I could without running the ground because that way we wouldn't have far to swim because I just knew it was going to turn us over. But anyway, to make a long story short, we, we did make it. 
But I can tell you this, we never again ever rented one of those little dinky boats. Uh, and that, that was one wild boat ride that we have, have never forgotten and, and never, never will forget. You know, I mean, here in West Virginia, you're talking about the storms, Donnie. I mean, they, they pop up real quick. We're used to that here in West Virginia. Storms just seem like they, they come from out of nowhere. We're no stranger to them. And I'll bet probably most everybody sitting here this morning can remember the Duratio. Remember that? Nine years ago? That's been nine years since that happened. Uh, we were days without power. Uh, air conditioning, but you know the one thing I remember about that uh, after it was over with was going to Walmart and the freezer section was completely empty, nothing, because they had lost every bit of their, their frozen food. It was all, it was all gone. Um, so, we're, you know, we're no, we're no strangers to storms around here, but the thing I really want to talk about this morning is not these, the weather conditions and the storms, you know, outside, but it's the storms that can come up in here, right? We've all had them. We've, we've all experienced these storms, and they, it's just like they, they come from out of nowhere, and just like you and I can't control the weather, we can't control this either. These storms that come upon us, we, do, we can't control it. And that's the lesson that the disciples need to learn in this passage of Scripture as they cross the Sea of Galilee. You see, they believe, as they're in this storm, they believe that the greatest danger to them is on the outside of the boat. The storm. But it's not. The greatest danger to the disciples is inside their heart. It's because of their lack of faith. And without faith, they risk, take a risk of the storms of life. And you and I risk the same thing, church. The storms of life can, can, can absolutely destroy us. They can, they can wipe your faith out. Uh, it, it can cause you to be discouraged and depressed. So, so what is the lesson that we can learn from this wild boat ride that the disciples find themselves in? Well, the first thing, as I, I said earlier, weather conditions, they can, they can change quick, right? And, and the same thing with the storms of life. They can, they can appear from out of nowhere. If you read here in Mark chapter 4, if you read this entire chapter, you see that Jesus and the disciples, they're having a great day. They're having a wonderful day. There's a lot of people there. There's so many people there. In fact, they have to put a boat just right off the shore so Jesus can stand in the boat and teach all the multitude of people that, 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 that have shown up. And he's teaching them. If, if you, again, if you read chapter 4, he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. He even used the illustration that I used last week about the kingdom of God starting out as a little uh, grain of mustard seed that could grow to be a, a bush so large that it could house birds. And, and, and now uh, it's time to call the day, Jesus says. It's, it's, it's time to call the day, and, and we, need to, we need to pack up, and we need to move on. So he tells them we need to go to the other side of the lake. Now, you know, it doesn't say in here, uh, but as Donnie said uh, during Sunday school, you know, you kind of got to use your noggin a little bit and think when you read the Scripture, you think about it, you know. And I'm thinking... And again, it's not in Scripture, so you're not going to find it. But I'm thinking, I wonder if the disciples argued about that a little bit. I mean, you got all of these people here, and Jesus said, okay, it's time to move across the lake. Well, I, bet, I mean, I think I would. Why? Why do you want to go somewhere else? We've got people here that are hungry to hear what you're teaching. Why not stay here? But, you know, we don't read in Scripture where they said a word. They, just, they, they packed up. They, they don't question they, they go to the other side of the lake. What's on the other side of the lake? That's where the Gerasenes are. The pagans are on the other side of the lake. So, but they pack up and they go on this five-mile journey 
across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus was tired from all the day's activity, from teaching. Scripture tells us he goes in the stern of the ship and he, or boat and he lies down on a cushion and he's taking a nap. And while Jesus is taking a nap, these white, billowy, puffy clouds all at once turn black and dark and billows and a storm brews up and these calm waters become rough and then you get some white caps and then before you know it, you've got waves smashing into the side of this boat that they're riding in. A violent storm has come up. Church, I'm going to tell you something that you already know. <laughs> you already know this. Storms and issues of life can come at us in an instant, right? In an instant. You know, I read, I read somewhere once that the bathtub, listen to this now, the bathtub was invented in 1850. Okay, you with me? A bath, you're saying, what in the world is he talking about? The bathtub was invented in 1850. The telephone was invented in 1875. What that means is there was a 25-year period there when you could relax in a bath of hot water and the phone wouldn't ring. Okay? But it's been different ever since, hasn't it? It's been different ever since that time. Listen, it never fails. Just about the time when you, thought you, when you think you have some peace and quiet and you can relax, the phone will ring, and your whole world can be turned upside down with one phone call. The test results come back from the doctor. Not good. You go to the store just to pick up a few things. You're involved in a traffic accident. You find yourself in the midst of a storm. Doesn't take long. Listen, life can get real, real quick. Right? It can for all of us. But I want you to notice this storm's taking place in Mark chapter 4. Jesus is in the stern of the boat having a stress free, worry free nap, isn't he? Now, there's a lot of things he could have been worried about, isn't there? Oh, there's a ton of things he could have been worried about. He could have been worried about the religious leaders that are plotting against him. He could have been worried about his family who thought he was crazy. All right? He could have been, he could have been worried uh, or overwhelmed with all the needs of the people that have been coming to him day after day. He could have been worried about the disciples that he had chosen. He could have been worried about the future because he knows his destiny. He knows it. But he's not worried. He's in the stern of the ship. He's lying on a cushion, and he's taking a nap. You know, I read once where uh, John Wesley it was, in a, was in a ship and he was uh, leaving England heading for uh, the United States. And it said they, they ran into this terrible storm. And John Wesley said he was scared to death. He said he, he was frantic. And he was running all over this ship trying to find a place to hide, to get out of the storm. And, and as he's running from place to place on the ship, he come across a group of Moravians and he stood there, and he watched them, and he said they were in the midst of this storm, okay? They're singing hymns to God, and they're praying, just as calm as can be. Said the children weren't even excited. And he went over to them, and he said, what, what is it? What, what, is your, what is your source of strength? And they looked at John Wesley, and they said, we have Jesus Christ as our Savior. John Wesley said that was one of the turning points in his life right there. He saw the peace of Jesus Christ on these people. You know what? It's going to come to all of us, church. 
these, these storms of life are going to come to each and every one of you. It happened to the disciples. It happened to John Wesley. And we're going to experience it too. And here in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is asleep on this cushion. I'm, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't even know there's a storm brewing. He, he doesn't even know. He can't even hear the wind that's howling. He can't even feel the waves as they're beating up against the side of the ship. Doesn't he care? Well, it's not that. It's not that he doesn't care. You see, Jesus knows something that the disciples hadn't quite figured out yet. He's in control. He's in control of this entire situation. You see, Jesus, Jesus wasn't sleeping because he didn't care. He's sleeping because he's not stressed over the situation. He's not. Listen, the disciples wake him up. Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care that we're about to drown? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'll tell you I have done that before. There have been times when I went through situations when I was going through a storm in my life and there was no one in the house but me. And I said, God, can you not hear me? Can you not see what I'm going through right now? Are my prayers leaving this house? Can you hear me? Do you care? I have. I thought King David did it. <laughs> Why can't I? There have been times in my life when I have done that. Church, listen. I, I know we're, we're, we are living in times like we have never witnessed in our lifetime. We are living in times like we never thought we would witness. Millions of babies are being murdered for convenience sake. Corruption in our political system like we never dreamed was even possible. And mass shootings, mass shootings are almost taking place on a weekly basis. And when we hear it on the news, we're so used to it now, we can just tune it out like it never even happened. We talked about our son being in law enforcement, and if it, if it wasn't bad enough, now they, law enforcement, they look at them as though they're the enemy now. You see, the reason Jesus isn't stressed over all of this is because Jesus knows he can speak to this storm, peace, be quiet. Be still. And the winds will die down and the sea will become completely calm. Jesus calmed the wind and the waves, the storm, with his voice. The very voice that he used to speak this world into creation. Listen to what it says, John chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing had made that has been made. When Jesus commands with His voice, when He speaks these words to the storm, He's communicating that He is Lord God Jehovah, that He is the supreme ruler over all things, things seen and things unseen. He created this entire universe. Church, He spoke this world into existence. He spoke each planet into existence and told it where to go and told it to stay there. That is supreme authority over all things. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that you and I love. That's the God that loves us so much that He sent His Son to die for us. And you know what? The devil wants you to forget that. The devil wants you to completely... He wants the whole Christian community to forget that. Because Satan realizes something. He realizes that these storms of life that are all around us and his people, he has people that serve him. Amen? 
He has people that serve him that, that's willing to do his dirty work. And these internal storms that you and I stu suffer and, and, and struggle with, it's the greatest threat to us because it can cause us to lose our sense of direction. It can distract us. Amen? Cause us to take our eyes off of the Lord God, Jehovah, and distract us. Remember, many of the disciples that are in this boat on this day, many of them are what? Fishermen, right? Many of them are fishermen. I mean, I mean, who knows how many times they fished the, the, these very waters that they're in. I mean, they may have been caught in, this, in storms in this, in this very area many, many times. So, so why, why is there so much fear and panic over this particular storm? Well, I'm going to tell you what I think, all right? And you may disagree with me, and that's okay. I'm still going to love you, all right? And I hope you still love me. But I'll tell you what I believe. I believe this was unlike any storm they had ever encountered in their life. I, I, I really do. I believe you, you might want to call this the perfect storm. I, I believe it was. I think this was Satan trying to destroy them all with one great storm. That's what I believe. Because in this one boat, you have the hope of all mankind. In this one boat... You have Jesus Christ who is willing to die for the sin of the world. In this one boat, you had the disciples who will literally change the world with the good news message after he rises from the grave. So the disciples, they're in panic mode. The storm beating on the side of the boat, they think they're going to be overturned. And they go up to Jesus and they say, Teacher, don't you care that we drown? Now, when we read Scripture, the one thing we don't have is, I mean, we have the words, and I believe every word that's in this Bible from beginning to end. But you know what? We can't hear their tone of voice, right? We can't look into their eyes and see the panic that was there. Have you ever been in panic mode? Huh? And, and you talked to someone? We were, we were coming home from uh, uh, deer hunting one year. Uh, best, my best friend. I, he, I was the best man at his wedding. He's the best man at my wedding. And, and he and I, we probably never had a crossword in our life. We're coming home. We're in Mineral County somewhere. We're coming in the interstate. That's 68? Or, yeah, 68. And it's snowing to beat the band. And the road is slick. And I'm driving to his Winnebago. He's in the passenger seat. And I'm driving down the road. And I hit a slick spot. And, man, that Winnebago went sideways. And I thought, wow, man, that road's slick. And he said, why don't you slow down? I said, well, buddy, are you a little bit nervous? He said, you're scaring me to death. <laughs> you see, I think if we had been here in this boat... I know it says, teacher, don't you? I, I just can't believe that the disciples went and said, teacher, don't you care that we drown? <laughs> I think they were saying, teacher, don't you care that we're about to die here? I mean, this is no time to be sleeping. We need all hands on deck. Grab a bucket. Start bailing some water. And that's when the unexpected happens. That's when the unexpected happens. Jesus gets up. And he doesn't grab a bucket, but he rebukes the storm. 
These are the very same words, and I don't know Greek, I never studied Greek or any of that, but these are the very same words that Jesus used when he rebukes demons. All right? The very same words. You see, this, this wasn't just a weather crisis. This is a spiritual battle that they're in. And they're about to go under. And Jesus gets up and he addresses the storm. He addresses it as though it's a force that's threatening them. And Jesus stands up and he says, peace, be still. And he muzzled the winds and the wave. He muzzled it. Listen to what it says, verse 39. He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the winds died down and it was completely calm. Just like flipping a light switch. I think it was that quick, that quick. As soon as he spoke, there was peace and there was calm. It went from chaos to calm. And that's why the disciples are now terrified. You see, before they were frightened. But now they're terrified. Look at the story. Look at it. They were frightened at the strength of the storm. They need everyone to pitch in and help. Jesus rebukes the storm, and suddenly the disciples are stunned. I mean, they, they are stunned because they asked for human help, but what they got was divine authority. They, what they wanted was an extra hand, but what they got was God. And now they're terrified, and they look at each other in verse 41, and they said, Who is this? <laughs> who, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him? Praise God. Let me, let me ask you a question. Church, let me ask you a question. What would you fear the most? Would you fear the storm or the master of the storm? Which one would you fear the most? Because right here, this is where the disciples lose their direction. And that's why Jesus asked them this question. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? He says to them. Do you still have no faith? Listen, church, the disciples don't understand God's riding in the boat with them. They still haven't figured it out. Jesus said, don't you have any faith? Do you still not understand who I am? They were frightened during the storm. And when he calms the storm, the scripture says they were terrified. Awestruck. Who is this? That the very elements of nature listen to him? They're terrified because of he who is in the boat with them. You see, the real problem, as I said earlier, the real problem wasn't the storm outside the boat. It's the storm inside the disciples. They don't understand what's going on. They still, even after all they've seen up to this point, after all they've witnessed up to this point, they still haven't got it figured out. Church, the greatest danger you and I face are the storms in here. Not the weather crisis, but the storms in our heart. Listen, we can't control them. You and I cannot control these storms. I mean, why do you think that there are tens of thousands of people every year that commit suicide? There are people that turn to alcohol and drugs by the tens of thousands each year. Why? Because they have all these problems, all these issues coming at them from one side and then another, and they don't realize that it takes the power of God 
to deal with these things. You see, Jesus is our only hope of calming these storms. The only hope we have of keeping our souls from being harmed and crippled. That's what the disciples needed to learn this day on the Sea of Galilee. They thought the danger was outside the boat, but then they discover the danger wasn't really outside the boat, it was inside their own heart because of their lack of faith. And that's why I need to ask you a question. Where do you turn, church? And you don't need to raise your hand, you don't need to say anything. I want you to just answer this honestly to yourself. Where do you turn when you find yourself in a storm? Where do you turn? You see, that the answer to that question depends upon where you place your ultimate loyalty. Where do you place your ultimate loyalty? My, my ultimate loyalty has never been in the United Methodist Church. Can I tell you that? It has never been. You know, I've been ordained. I've been to annual conference for 20, who knows how many years. But my ultimate loyalty is this. The Word of God. Now, there are some United Methodist pastors that will tell you their ultimate loyalty is in the book of discipline. <laughs> it's in God. Where do you... Let me ask you that question again, because I'm, I'm going to come back to this a couple of times. I'm almost done. Hang in here, all right? <laughs> Don't panic on me. Where do you turn? Where do you turn when you're in the midst of a storm? You see, I think Jesus could put the same question to us as he did the disciples on that day. After all I've done in you, after all I've done for you, after all I've brought you through, do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith? Old Testament Scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 17, is a story that you have heard all your life. You learned this story when you were in Sunday school or, or, or vacation Bible school about David and Goliath, right? Everybody here knows the story of David and Goliath. We all here have heard this story about this nine-foot, nine-inch monster of a man whose name was Goliath, who's standing before King Saul and the army of Israel threatening them with insults, and King Saul and the army of Israel are scared to death. Why? Why are they scared? Because Saul and the army of Israel have lost their faith in the covenant promise of God. What is the covenant promise of God? If you look in the Old Testament, the, the covenant promise of God was, Israel, you are not to fear anyone. You just trust in me, God says. I will fight for you. I will go to battle for you. I will be victorious for you. Covenant promise of God. But Israel now, not placing their faith in God, but they're placing their faith in a human king, King Saul. Don't forget my earlier question, okay? Where do you turn when you're in the midst of a storm? Israel turned to King Saul. Right? They turned to King Saul, an earthly king. And now they're all frightened, including King Saul and the Israel and his Israeli army. So 
We're told that Jesse sends his youngest son, David, you go to the battlefront and, and here, take your older brother some food, some supplies, uh, find out how they're all doing, and then you bring me back word and tell me what's going on. So David shows up, and when David gets there, he finds King Saul and the army of Israel cowering in front of this giant of a man called Goliath. And David walks up to King Saul and he says, I'm not quoting scripture now, all right? This is just paraphrase. If you want to read the story, go to 1 Samuel chapter 17 when you get home, okay? And you can read it. But David goes up to King Saul and he says, I'll fight him. I'll go fight him. Saul says, well, you can't fight him. You're, you're just a boy. And David says, well, listen, I take care of my father's sheep, and the lions come by, and the bears come by, and I run them away. There have been times when I went up and grabbed them by the hair and slayed them. I have killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them. In other words, David is saying to Saul, I have faced dangerous situations time after time in protecting my father's flock, and he is assuring Saul that he could protect the flock of God if he would just allow him to do it. Church, let me tell you something. Now listen to this, okay? Faith in God's deliverance from past events. Can you think real quick of a time or two when God delivered you from something? Huh? Yeah. Oh, every one of us can we can think of a time when he delivered us from something. I don't, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was uh, money. Maybe it was a money situation. Maybe it was a health issue. I, I don't know. Maybe it was a, a problem with a neighbor. I don't know. All right? But God, God was faithful. And God delivered you from a past situation. God's deliverance from past events should give us courage to trust him in our current situation, no matter what it is. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay, isn't, isn't that what the old, uh, old hymn of the church, um, uh, Just As I Am, verse 3, and Just As I Am, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. His grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Amen? Amen? If he was Lord, if he was Lord back then, he's still Lord today, right? If he could do it back then, he can still do it today. So here's David. David comes up to little David. Remember last week, how, how did I tell you David was when he was anointed? He was between, they think, he's between 10 and 15 years old. He's just a kid, all right? He's just a kid. And he comes up to Saul. He says, I'll take him on. I, I can do this. I, I, I can take care of this. Faith in God's deliverance from past events. That's what David's doing. David says, I remember when I used to take care of my father's flock. God took care of me then. God's going to take care of me now. Where do you turn, church? Where do you turn when you're in the midst of a storm? Israel turned to King Saul. And they find themselves quaking in their sandals. Okay? But David now standing before this Philistine champion, ready to take him on, because he remembers something that King Saul and the armies of Israel has forgotten. And it's this, that the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not your battle to fight. Thank God it's not my battle. It took me a while to learn that, all right? It took me a while to figure that out. It's not my battle to fight. It's God's battle. He says, I'll fight it for you if you'll let me. 
If you'll let me, I'll fight it for you. Listen, I don't know what storm you're facing today, but would you have the courage to stand before whatever storm it is that's facing you right now that looks so big and say what David says when he walks up before Goliath? Listen to what he says, 1 Samuel 17, 45. David says to the Philistine, you come, with, you come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Can you stand before your storm today and declare God is greater and nothing or no one can interfere with God's anointed? That's what you are. Amen? You know that, right? You're God's chosen anointed. And no one's going to touch God's anointed. He won't allow it to happen. He won't permit it to happen. Where do you turn when you're in the midst of a storm and it feels like your boat is sinking. May I suggest that you let everybody around you know that you stand on God's side and you're trusting me. I'll never forget when I lost my job in the mines back decades ago, back in the 80s, and there was a lady at the church and she came up to me and she was just as sincere as she could be and, and with tears in her eyes and she said, Richard, honey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I said, well, you know what? I, I don't know. I really don't. But I do know this. If God wants me to be president of General Motors, some way he'll make it happen. Yeah. Some way he'll make it happen. Only Jesus, church, in closing, only Jesus has the words of eternal life. Amen? Only, listen, only God is the Holy One. Only Jesus can calm these storms of life. Only God can deliver us. That's it. That's our only hope. Because, because the Lord of the storm is in the boat with you right now. Right now he's with you. Now, having said that, does, it, does that mean that, that the clouds are going to immediately pass away and the sun's going to come out and everything's going to... Well, there's no guarantee of that, Okay. Does that mean that, that you're never going to have a, a struggle or a problem in life? Well, no, that's never promised in the Bible. Does that mean you're going to prosper like some of these TV preachers tell you? You're going to have a, a, home, a summer home and a winter home and a four-car garage? Well, probably not. Probably not. You say, boy, it don't seem much like a promise to me. Well, let me remind you that it got Noah through a flood... And it got the Jews through a 40-year trek through the wilderness. It, it, it gave Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and, and, and Joshua and, 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 and Caleb and, and, and Samson and, and David and, and all the prophets victory after victory over every enemy they had. It got Mary through a pregnancy. It got Jesus Christ through the crucifixion. And it has gotten countless disciples through persecutions down through the centuries. And I don't know what you're suffering through today or where you're at, but I can promise you one thing. It's sufficient for you because God is in the boat with you this morning. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you. Thank you for this, 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 this passage of Scripture that, that, that's not very long. It's, it's very short in the book of Mark. But, Lord God, we can get so much from it. 
because we realize that the greatest threat to our spiritual lives are these storms that Satan tries to get us to look at and lose our faith. And Lord, I don't know anyone's heart in this place this morning. I don't know any struggle they may be going through. I don't know what doubts may be arising in their mind. I don't know how fragile their faith is right now. Lord God, you do. And I pray that they leave this place this morning being assured that you are just as near to them as their next breath. Lord, you are right there and you promised you would never leave them and you will never forsake them. And when they get through this storm, whatever it may be, Lord, they will have a testimony to share with those who need to hear it. If there's one person in this place who needs to speak to you this morning, Lord God, I pray that they will. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Page 5.